Hello listeners and welcome to this podcast, Be Like a Tree. On this episode, we have Janine Barron. So just to start off with, Janine, could you introduce yourself for us? Thank you. Yes, it's lovely to be here. My name is Janine. Let's clear up the accent straight away. I'm from Australia, um, but I'm coming to you from the UK today where I moved two and a half years ago to be with my grandchildren and great-grandchildren. <laughs> but I'm known, um, I guess in this context, I'm a business mentor, I'm an intuitive, I'm a wisdom companion for leaders, um, I am deeply into in- intuition and um, nature as the basis for our understanding our interconnectedness in life and I bring all of that to my supporting people grow beautiful businesses. Mm. Wow. How many grandchildren do you have? I know. <laughs> um, I have four grandchildren, and but it's through marriage. People can't see my face, but hopefully you're thinking, you do, don't look like a great-grandmother. And I have three great-grandchildren. But, um, yes, it's my husband's lineage, not mine. <laughs> okay. And I'm smiling. Don't worry, Jenny does not look like she's <laughs> everyone. I know you can't see it. And thank you for that really helpful introduction to your work. And it feels, you know, one of the reasons I invited you because it's so curious and it really sparks my interest in kind of wanting to know more about why you do the things you do. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Are you asking me that now? Yeah. <laughs> Look, um, I've been running businesses since 1995. And I have had four different journeys in four different companies. And I've done the hard work. I've done the burnout. I've done the depression. I've done the success. I've done the awards. I've done the profit. I've done the almost bankruptcy. I've gone to court. I've survived court. I've won more awards. (laughs) You know, I've done it all, I think. I've raised money. But 12 years ago, people started asking for my advice and I really enjoyed that. And then when I sold my last company four years ago, I got contacted by more people because they thought I had more free time, which I did. And I found it incredibly nourishing and I became aware of the deep wisdom I had to offer. And I realized almost like my whole life had led to this point, you know, (laughs) Um, I was meant to do this. I'm here to serve people's highest potential and I can do it because I've been there, done that, but I'm also still always growing. What about your link with nature then? Because your your business, the regenerative business, a mentor and strategist, Mm. how does that fit into your wisdom and your mission? It's, It's really interesting. I often hear people who had a turning point with nature later in their life. It has been with me since I was born. I was connecting with nature and making it essential to all of my businesses before it had a name. So I remember when sustainability came along and someone wanted to interview me about what we did. And I was like, what's sustainability? And then I was like, oh, we've been doing that for 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is that what? Oh, yeah. And I tend to be a pioneer ahead of the curve 
I've realized in recent years. So it just always made sense. Why would you do anything that was harmful? So our last company was organic baby products. We had cradle to grave solutions. Um, I did uh, organic cotton grow, grew in India and Africa at the time. That was it. That was your choice. Um, I did not want children in India playing in empty chemical drums so that Western mothers could buy organic baby products or just baby products in general. So we created a system where we said there was no harm in the supply chain. Um, so I did that before I knew about it had any terminology. It just made sense. Okay. And why did, so it's the do no harm. It made no, like made perfect sense. Sorry. And the way you describe it, it's so a part of your personhood, so intuitive. I think that's right. And I think I'm only labeling that now. I think I just did it. In honesty, I think my background was more in social justice. Like my big awakening was, I mean, nature's been part of my life. I grew up in the bush in Australia. We just played in the bush. That's what you did on the weekends. You went down the creek. You got bitten by things. You got taken to hospital when you got bitten and you came back and did it again. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, I will revisit a story around that in a minute because um, that's quite significant. But when I was 18, just before my 18th birthday, I became aware of um, the severe injustice in Australia with Indigenous people. And I'd lived this very sheltered white life. And I was literally, a, there was a line drawn in my life the day I found out what was really going on in my country. And I became very active in human rights and spent the next 12, 14 years proactive involved in campaigns as an activist all the way to the UN and going to Indigenous women's conferences all over the world. And it was a huge passion for me. So it came from a place of injustice. So when I thought about those kids in India playing in drums, it was the injustice angle, not the nature angle. Ah, I got you. It just happened to look after nature at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, My first conscious nature experience was in New Zealand when I was just hitchhiking around and ran out of money and thought, oh, you can walk through the bush. I'll do that. That won't cost me anything. <laughs> and I know it's hilarious. So I came at it from very different places. And then I remember this the first morning waking up and standing in front of this vista. I could cry right now, honestly. And I was just, my breath was taken away. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm in heaven. And from that day I spent the next, well, the rest of my life, trekking around the world, seeking more and more remote treks, um, getting together with people who are into bushcraft, teaching me how to pick my own food, because the deep, the depth was just this intuitive desire to to be as remote. And, you know, I'd go into places that were so remote, you had to either walk out or get a plane out. And I did get a plane out once. (laughs) I get walked. (laughs) So I thought, I could walk another four days through Spinifex. This is after two weeks in the wilderness. But then my favourite band's playing at the pub tonight in Hobart, Tasmania. I think we'll get the plane out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so um, there's that. But also uh, briefly, and this is very connected very much to the more deep personal work I do now, which is my earliest memory in nature, in all honesty, is I was three years old as far as I'm aware. And I had quite a traumatic experience that to the outside world wouldn't have looked very traumatic, but as a three-year-old, I internalised that. And without telling the whole story, it was about trust. Mm -hmm. 
So I was screaming for help in a place I felt unsafe and the adult with me thought they were just encouraging me to be resilient by not helping me and I lost trust. And I didn't uncover that memory until I was in my late 40s. Okay. And when I did, I was on a very deep, silent nature walk called a yatra, which I've done a lot of in my life. It's a Buddhist practice where you walk in silence for up to 10 days. It's a very profound experience. And I do this a bit with my clients now as well, just for a couple of hours. (laughs) 10 days is a big commitment, but I take people out in silence for a few hours. A lot can happen then. It's very, very deep. Um, And I uncovered this memory and it was the first time where the trees spoke to me. I hope no one's going to tune off now, but they did. And I was very frustrated and very angry and I was the last in the group and I didn't know I was in a healing crisis at the time. I was just ready to explode and I fell over and I burst into tears and the trees literally held me. Mm. And I had this, was the first time I heard the trees speak. What did they say? They said, give it to us. And I said, I can't give you my pain. That's not fair. And they said, we can take it. Give it to us. And I stood up and I walked through head height of wild wild garlic. It's an extraordinary experience. And it brushed through my face and all the leaves. And I just walked. And by the time I got to the other side, I was a new woman. It was a rebirth and I kind of spent the next hour half elated and half going, did I just really hear trees talk to me? Do I tell anybody this? What are they going to think? And I've been listening to them ever since. I was just going to ask you then, what happens next? Does that relationship stay? Does it? So you keep listening to them. So I did another Yatra two years later. That was my first one. Two years later, I did another one and I thought I would just enjoy this one because I'd had my healing crisis. Oh, if only healing crises only happened once. (laughs) 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 Yeah, you know. And then I went to a deeper level and and I can see my feet right now crossing this kind of um, rocky cavern, like a, I guess, a little mini gorge, but it was short enough that I could step over it. And I could see my feet now crossing over that gorge and a whole nother memory coming. And I was like, wow, there's so many layers to this. So I placed a lot of deep trust in that experience and continued walking deeply, mostly in silence, often held in these beautiful Buddhist silent retreats. And I craved them. I planned my life around them and I went deeper and deeper and I was given deep wisdom and I still am. Yeah. Mm. Very powerful. And, you know, I'm thinking of a, a couple of things. I'm thinking about that, the power of memory and how they get reawakened at certain aspects of our lives for certain times when it feels safe enough sometimes or when we have a, a like a connection sensation that reawakens our whole body and it just coming back to you. I'm thinking about what you said about trust and, like, it's stemming from a memory of not feeling trusted and then you gained it back through that that connection with the trees. But what I'd done in between in my life is manifested more lack of trust unbeknownst to me. So I was getting more and more in the crisis, not understanding why I had all this and, you know, getting insular as you do when you're depressed and 
thinking there's no one to trust. Mm-hmm. And I give myself over to nature in this silent experience. And then it gave me the gift of healing. Mm. Mm. Gave you the gift of knowing that they got you, like that whisper, that they had you the entire time. I so often think about this because right now here we are, nature's in crisis. We all know this. Can they really hold it for all of us? Like it, they held it for me that day and I often wonder, are you holding space for us all? But if we keep getting rid of you, who holds our space? Uh, just thinking about that really scares me actually mm, mm. in terms of the roles that trees play in our lives and the space and what they do offer us in terms of that silent mm. connection mm. and just the thought that they might not be here at some point. It remains a question that I can't answer, but it's um, I think there's a lot of people that can hear trees now. Not everyone will admit it, but they literally said, uh, we've got this. And I was arguing with them. <laughs> then I was like, what am I doing? I'm arguing with trees. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it just shows you that human, like, willfulness, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes we're so willful. We have the signs right in front of us. We have the connection right in front of us. But our willfulness might stop us from opening to those moments. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about, you know, the thing about the silent retreats and the Buddhist retreats in particular or or any sort of journey. It's like the reason that sometimes I find them so helpful is because you are at the, the place where you have to accept help. Yeah. You know, mm. you actually have to or she can't continue. Yeah, and my greatest wish is that people don't get to that point, but if you do, it's there for you. It's there for you. It really is. And when I think over the years, because I lived by the ocean, I was very lucky for 25 years. Well, I created that. I wasn't just lucky. I created that life. <laughs> um, I lived by the ocean. And, you know, when you swim in the ocean every day, it literally, I remember, I'd just go there if I was ever stressed and the water would just literally like take the stress off me. It was quite extraordinary. So I think the whole of nature is there to support us humans in a way that we are still trying to understand no matter how much we abuse it, it just still keeps supporting us. It's like, what? That's <laughs> Yeah, the ultimate mother. Oh, the, unconditional. The unconditional, ultimate, idealized, the ultimate part of us, the carer, who will always be there, even when we might not fully understand or appreciate. Some of the, the work that I do with, the people I work with in terms of that building trust is with nature, right? And it's like outward bond or adventure therapy of challenging your body and learning to trust yourself again. And it's interesting because, like, I've spent a lot of time with Indigenous people and they always just say, Mother Earth can live without us, but we can't live without her. They always say it, always. Yeah, let's say that again. Mother Earth can live without us, but we cannot live without her. Yeah. What would it mean, you think, if people really embrace that? If human beings one day just wake up, what? How would that change the world? Oh well, okay. So now we're getting into understanding our deep interconnection. Because when you kill nature, you kill part of yourself, and that's why I think there's a mental health pandemic. That's my personal view. And intuition is the bridge to connect us to nature. Because that moment when I heard the trees. <laughs> You know, it's like 
there was that intuitive side of me that had it was a pathway that it was already open. Perhaps trees are talking to other people all the time, and but if you don't have an intuitive pathway open, you can't hear them. So I think our first step is get you know anything that connects us with ourselves and our hearts and opens our hearts and opens to things that we can understand. I think intuition is something people can understand now. It's quite a new movement, and then it makes it's less far out to say to people the trees are talking to you. But if you go from like working in the city to go, hey, the trees talk, it's going to go, what a whacker, run the other way. <laughs> so there's lots of little steps for people to happen in between, yeah. What is intuition? Intuition is your inner guidance system that you were born with that is completely free, that was not cultivated within you because logic is um, valued over intuition. Um, there's a long history of patriarchy that has set that up. There was a lot of fear in during the witch trials that stopped women using intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, it usually is a domain of the female, and because men were the holders of logic, we were um, denied that. So when we access it, it's something. It's your inner compass that you were born with that, that you are given, um, and it, but it needs cultivating. Otherwise, you think, what's that? What's that feeling? And, you know, it's it starts with little things like I think of Kelly. Oh, Kelly, you've just rung me. I was just thinking of you. You know, it can start with little things. Like, oh, I've got goosebumps or I've got hairs on the back of my neck. Or, And so most people think that's roughly intuition, but there are deeper levels when you cultivate it where you you experience instruction and guidance and and then the ultimate in intuition is understanding your deep interconnection with all beings. And when you're there, then we can talk about nature connection. So I, that's personally the pathway where I think intuition is a bridge, I, I would call it. And I guess in my work, I help people do that through access that through anything from guided visualization to meditation to various creative exercises. So I guess I'm thinking about if I simplify it a little bit, what you're saying is my internal intuition, my internal nature, my innate nature being, mm. creates a bridge to my external nature surrounding. Yeah. Uh, I think. That makes sense to me. Yeah, because if you just stand next to a tree and see it as an object, then it is an object. But if you have a bridge that connects you to the tree... I believe intuition is that bridge because mm-hmm. intuition is an intangible experience that f- you can describe as energy, but it seems to have an instruction and it seem- and, um, and emotions are a gift to help you access that. Ah, so the emotions help you to understand the message and the instruction to then act on the intention should you choose to. And sometimes it comes in strange packages like that day for me in the forest. I was angry. I'd had enough. I was fed up. I was so pissed off. Sorry, can I say that on your podcast? <laughs> yeah, you can curse, you can shout. You were so pissed off. You were furious. But I, and I learned that day that those emotions can serve you because that they're the emotions that go no more. I can't cope. But instead of using violence or an addictive substance to help you through, what if you just sat there and went, this this is a boundary emotion? Mm-hmm. It's like courage, right? 
if you look at the word courage, courage, you know, you can't have courage without rage. Okay, nice. I haven't heard that. That's nice. But then how do you get the motivation to do it? Yeah, yeah. And so when you write it out, literally call rage and you rage it and you move through. But I think you're right in that in terms of like the whole spectrum of emotion opening us up to new and seemingly unusual experiences. And yet it reminds me of when they talk about people who have psychosis or are psychotic or and they have like spiritual awakenings, you know, in a different kind of perception or perspective, sorry. It's like they're opening themselves up to this higher dimension of spiritual messaging, potentially. Yes. Yes. Through their distress. Yes. I have taken us on a tangent. Let's go back (laughs) and think about you and your business and how you help other people a bit more. So let's say I come to you. Mm. I have taproot psychology. (laughs) Well, there's a few ways. And one would be uh, there's this beautiful experience I have called Nature's Boardroom. And so we would take you and your business into the boardroom, which is a place um, outside, and we invite nature in and say, if you were on my board, what decisions would you make? Mm. So if nature's in the boardroom, and, and, and probably and, and this, I was doing this before two amazing things happened in the last few months. One is where Patagonia announced that they were giving all their profits and they actually created Client Earth. So all their profits now go to climate action and environmental causes. And um, even companies like Faith in Nature are, are, are getting actually officially making nature, nature a boardroom member. Amazing. Because if you have to think about nature in your decisions, you won't just think about profit. No, you won't. So various things happen on that journey. Like um, we do, like I use different cards and an intuitive process to see what emerges when we're in that deep space of with nature, literally. So that's very powerful. But for the good old Zoom, which often we are on, um, we also do sort of deep, you know, deep work with using like guided visualization and facilitated discussion around our personal energy equal to our business energy. Ah, I'm thinking about it. That's why I'm pausing everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and how we create synergy between them yeah for example just super quick what do you want kelly for your life what kind of when you describe the kind of life you want is it like i want to travel over the world or is it like i want to be calm and simple like how would you describe the energy that you want in your life oh mixed i want it all I would would know everybody. (laughs) Great. So that, if you came then and said, okay, I want to set up a business creating gardens, I'd be like, that doesn't match. That personal energy that you require for your alignment and greatest joy in your life does not match a simple garden, running a simple garden. You'll end up frustrated. You won't be fulfilled because your personal purpose is like, I want it all. 
So I had someone the other day going, oh, look, I'm having a disconnect because I actually want this quiet, simple life, but, you know, I want this in my personal life and um, in my business. And I was like, well, why do you believe there's a disconnect there? So in that case, we had to look at her belief, the way she was looking at it. I understand you now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a view in my own mentoring and coaching that there's, I don't want to just get on and help you make a business unless I help you get to your true purpose and understand the values that are going to make you live a full life. And when you know that, then the business energy matches that and then you're living your true purpose. And it's because you're living in alignment. So you're living in, living in alignment. Yeah, let's write that song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm thinking about on a one-to-one for the listeners, you know, one of the things that they could potentially start bringing to their life is kind of thinking about that synergy of energy and whether or not their actions are matching their intention mm-hmm. and whether or not the decisions they make are really fitting with those values and and what they want. Yes. And you asked a question earlier about what would happen if we all felt interconnected. Well, if you put nature at the centre of that business rather than not need money but not just money, you see what I mean? It's like, well, we're only disconnected because we're not putting nature in the decision-making process. Hmm. So you bring it in, you bring in your personal energy of calm or I want it all or anywhere in between. Check your belief systems. Where did they come from? What's holding you back? Mm. You know, like if you're procrastin- in procrastination, I'm not going to take you on a three-part program. I'm going to say, hey, great, let's see what that's about. How is that serving you? Again, it's the understanding what is behind all of our actions and our behaviours, which really fits, I think, with how I work as a psychologist as well. Beautiful. What would happen if we brought nature to our lives? So not just to the boardroom, but to our everyday decision-making. Ooh, yes. Mm. There's some land not far from here, and it was just a beautiful, little elevated, beautiful view, and someone was on there with a caravan, and then I went there the other day, and the owner had just got a big bulldozer and ripped up all the grass and was laying down stone because it would be easier to caretake. So to answer your question, <laughs> you know, would you rip up the grass and the bushes and burn them all and put stone down if nature was part of your life? No. So it would be like, hmm, so those bushes which we some people would call weeds, are feeding the bees. So since that's important, let's if we st- still want stone, where can we put the stone around it and protect those places? So that's what it means in a practical way to include nature. Mm. And I guess it's acknowledging our roles as human beings in that ecosystem, right, and that we have an impact because I think sometimes, I know for myself, I might underestimate the impact of my my daily changes in my life to the environment mm-hmm. and also in terms of sustainability in particular like when I think about okay do I take my coffee mug to the coffee shop <laughs> in, in the car <laughs> how do I then influence that ripple effect so I guess your 
when you when you speak about intention, you make you think about like on a day to day level as well how we can kind of build it in our lives. Yeah, I'm noticing the time. I know we've had a long, lovely chat. We could continue, but <laughs> I'm like, Ooh, why did Don Keller? Why did Don? So I will close with a, a kind of final question for you, which I ask everybody, mm-hmm. which is the last time you kind of saw a tree and they imparted the whispers, the wisdom. Mm. What did they say? <laughs> Well, I go straight to one not far from here, um, which I always stop and have a little chat to. And um, on that particular issue, she said, um, it's all okay, stop worrying about it. It's all okay, stop worrying about it. And I don't argue anymore. Like I wanted to argue with her. (laughs) And uh, she was just, um, yeah. That was going to be my question. Did you argue back? Did you get it? I I almost, but I caught myself. Okay. (laughs) And so noticing the arches and then holding and pausing and really listening is what you're describing of taking in the wisdom. So I guess that's one of the themes from our conversation is like kind of listening and knowing that they got your back. Yeah, and it requires requires deep trust to accept that. It really does. Mm. Thank you for sharing with us today. Thank you, Dr. Kelly. It's been a joy. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Be Like a Tree. Let us know how you felt about today. Subscribe, share, every little bit helps. And we'll see you next time. And remember, stay rooted, stand tall, breathe, be like a tree. Because you're free to be ooh.